free, uh, disciplining my kids, that's always an interesting experience because there's also always something new, you know, during the week. There's something new almost every, every day. And it's not that, like, my wife and I, Renee, it's not like our expectations have changed or the conversations are, are any different, but somehow they find a different and new way to somehow, like, not want to do the things that they know that they're supposed to do, the things that are common routine, the common expectations that we have with our family. Now, I'm kind of painting this awkward picture for my kids, maybe. They're really good kids, I promise. They're, they're great, and I'm not going to give you any specific examples, but it's really interesting how... Like even the, even the normal things about family life, when they don't feel like doing it or they don't really, uh, they don't really respond in the way that we're expecting them to, they'll find kind of an interesting way to find a reason not to do those things or to have a reason why they shouldn't. That's, that's the fun thing about kids getting older is then they start trying to use logic and they try to explain like why they shouldn't have to do the things that you ask them to do and all those, all those interesting things. It's just like just like us. We do the same thing. The only difference between kids and adults is adults are older. That, that's it. Like we, we know exactly what that's like when there's things in our life, routines, expectations that we know that we have, we know we need to follow through on and we find reasons, we find excuses why we shouldn't have to do those things. And a lot of those things, do we have to do them? Maybe not. But we know that we're better off when we do put them into place in our lives. And yet, when we don't do them, uh, we, we're, we're not better off. We're in a place that we don't expect. And that's why sometimes uh, there's some life lessons that we have to learn on our own and realize that, oh, maybe there is a reason why my parents asked me to do those things. Maybe there is a reason why I should be disciplined in my life. Maybe there is a reason why I should be self-motivated to put these good things into practice because I know uh, that if I don't, I'll be in a place that I don't want to be. I'll need, a, I'll need a jump start. And that's what we're talking about today. If you looked at the sermon title in the program last week before you came, you may have been thinking like being disciplined. Oh, that, that's an exciting topic. That's, that's definitely what I want to go to church and hear about and listen, listen about. Or, or maybe you think, well, that's, that's all faith is anyway, right? It's just being disciplined by God and he's telling us what to do and we have to follow through with those things. Um, but I think there's actually maybe a slightly different picture than that. And so we're going to be talking about this morning, we're going to be talking about spiritual discipline, why they matter, and how we can incorporate those into our life. We've been talking about, uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about Bible application, we've talked about godly relationships and how we need to incorporate those in our lives. And as we talk about spiritual disciplines, these are the expectations and routines that we set into place that draw our awareness to God's presence in our lives. They're actions, but they're not disciplinary actions. Uh, it's not a, oh, you're in trouble now, and so here are all the things that you have to do as a checklist to earn God's favor in your life. That's not what they're for, um, to be forced into so you can be good now. They're tools that enable us to be drawing closer to God and being more like Jesus in our life. Spiritual disciplines uh, free us to enjoy life with God. That's what they're for. That's why they exist in scripture. That's why they're modeled for us by Jesus and, and the disciples as they write and as they share about faith uh, with us. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago, it's a reasonable expectation to have our faith get us to where God wants us to go. However, when we're neglecting our faith and we're neglecting our relationship with God, it makes the journey that much more difficult or worse, it makes it unrecognizable to what we see modeled for us in scripture. Uh, for example, how many of you take your car in for regular car maintenance? And, and you're like, that's something that, that you do. Okay, I, like, I'm not putting my hand up because I do that. 
Um, I'm just like seeing how many people, like, I, I mean, I don't take my car in as regularly as I should. Like I know that it needs an oil change pretty regularly. I've got the oil change light that's been on for, I don't, well, I won't tell you how long. Uh, and so I know I need to do that. And I make sure there's oil in the car, you know, that kind of thing. I check the tire pressure every once in a while. I know how to change light bulbs and fuses and, and, and check the belts and all those kinds of things. But I also know that when I don't do those things regularly and I don't go in for those things that my car needs, uh, that I can't complain, or I can only complain but so much when my car leaves me stranded in the middle of nowhere because I haven't done those things. Like, I mean, that, that's, that's the thing. When we come to those moments in our, in our life and we're like, oh man, I can't believe this is happening to me. Well, you actually kind of plan for that to happen. And, you know, in, in some respects, obviously there are things that that, that don't fall into that category, but in things that we know that we're supposed to have as part of our life and we choose not to do it, that's where we end up in those spaces where we know we need to jumpstart, we need to grow our faith in the way that we haven't uh, in the past. When we talk about spiritual disciplines, I, I just want to give you an example, a list of those, so you have kind of a frame of reference for what I'm talking about, because maybe uh, you... Maybe you've never heard anybody use that phrase before. Maybe you're not familiar with them. Uh, my favorite book on spiritual disciplines is called Celebration of Discipline by Richard J. Foster. And so I would highly recommend uh, that to you if you want to read more uh, about this and how we incorporate this into our lives. Uh, but he breaks spiritual disciplines down into three categories. And this is not necessarily an exhaustive list, but I just want to give you an idea of what we're talking about when we say spiritual disciplines. He breaks them down into three categories, the inward disciplines, the outward disciplines, and the corporate disciplines. And so we're talking about things like meditation, prayer, fasting, study, simplicity, solitude, submission, serving, confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. We're talking about things that we see in Scripture model for us, action steps that we put into practice in our lives that help us draw closer to God, help us to recognize his presence in our life to go deeper with him. And doing the disciplines in and of themselves, like this is not a checklist that we put, you know, put into practice in our lives. They're not the goal, doing them in and of themselves. They're not the means of accomplishing holiness. However, what they do is they put us in a position to acknowledge to honor and partake in the holy life the Holy Spirit enables us through the gospel of Jesus. Uh, in Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster writes, they, speaking of the spiritual disciplines, are God's means of grace. God has ordained the disciplines of the spiritual life as the means by which we place ourselves where he can bless us. And I don't know about you, but that's a significant statement to make about incorporating these practices into our life. They're a means of accomplishing and experiencing rather than, than earning favor when it comes to God. It's about experiencing who he is. Uh, Paul encourages his mentee in ministry, Timothy, in this regard in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He writes, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. A training in godliness provides the most value for our lives because it's investing in that which does not fade away. It's both for this life and the life to come. Even Jesus the son of, son of God, who as he came in, in, as a man in all, you know, fullness of deity dwelled in him, he prioritized time spent in spiritual discipline. 
He made it a point to be near God's presence and with his people in the temple when he was a child. He began his ministry with fasting. He was generous with his time, and he spent time in solitude and prayer. And one of the occasions, uh, one of the examples of Jesus doing this in his life sticks out to me really clearly in my life because the college that I went to, the president gave a devotion for, uh, for incoming freshmen. And so we're there, we're sitting out, outside in North Carolina, and it's, it's a beautiful day. We're kind of sitting uh, on the grass when I was there, and he starts getting up. And I wish I, I, wish I had understood, I was telling somebody uh, earlier this morning who went to the same college that I did and had the same experience, uh, that I wish I was smart enough to recognize, as a snot-nosed punk you know, college kid, the wisdom of what he was trying to share with us and, and how this would impact my life from that point, point on. Uh, but he shared this one particular verse to encourage us to make sure that even those of us who were there at this college to train for ministry, to go in and share Jesus and talk about the Bible and study that in our lives, that we would make sure that we made time for spiritual discipline. And this is the verse that he shared. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And while many were there to study, to go into ministry or some sort of spiritual or, you know, related field, he knew how valuable it was, no matter how spiritual we thought our career pursuits might be, our personal spiritual disciplines would be what helped us experience the new creation life that we've all been called to as Christians. In Mark chapter 1, in the following verses, uh, 36 through 39, Simon and his companions went to look for him. Jesus' disciples are looking for Jesus, like, hey, wh where are you? When they found him, they, ex they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And that's because before, Jesus had been healing people, they'd been coming up to him, he's been healing their diseases, he's been casting out demons in their life. And so people are looking for him for all the good that he can do in their lives, the things that he can accomplish. And, and they're like, Jesus, why are, why, are you not, why are you not around us? And Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. And so he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. One of the things that the disciples didn't understand at this point in their lives is that Jesus, Jesus needed this time to, to go away. Even though he was accomplishing all these great things, he was the son of God, he needed this time to be in communion with God in his life. While everyone else was looking for Jesus, for what he could do for him, Jesus was making time to be in communion with his heavenly father through prayer. Like I mentioned briefly a couple minutes ago, Jesus' parents spent quite a bit of time looking for him as a 12-year-old. Uh, he had everyone looking for him, and when they found him at the temple where he had stayed behind, his response to their anxiousness was, why are you upset? Like, what, what's going on? Why are you so anxious? Didn't you know that I needed to be about my father's business? And, what Jesus, and they didn't understand at the time, but what Jesus was communicating uh, to them about his life and his ministry and his purpose on earth is, is that being in relationship with God is of primary importance when it comes to what he desires to see in us. While there will always be things to accomplish, people who need our attention, the realities of life ready to welcome us each day, just as Jesus took time to commune with God during his time with us here on earth, we need intentional spiritual space to give God the attention not only he deserves, but that he desires to share with us. It's the moments where we recognize like God, God's wanting to be with us. Jesus wasn't praying to accomplish a task. His mentality wasn't, I'm a Christian, so I, wait a minute, I'm the Christ, you know, so I should probably get a prayer in at some point today. 
his desire was to be in God's presence. One of the things that's important to us as a church, our mission is helping people find Jesus and love God. And, and that love God part comes from Jesus saying of primary importance and the, uh, the greatest commandment in our lives to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength is, is that spending intentional time with God, getting to know him, letting him be with us and to share his attention and time with us as well is how we draw nearer and closer to him through spiritual disciplines. They play an essential role in growing our faith. What we put into practice inwardly reveals itself outwardly. Our prayer life, our generosity, etc., are what helps our faith in God to grow. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9, Paul writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And I get, like, when we hear the word discipline, you know, we think about the times that we got punished or maybe some of those things, like the not fun things. When we hear things about, like, Jesus very early in the morning while it was still dark, he went out to pray, that maybe those aren't the things that we think about. Man, that's exciting. You know what I can't wait to do to start off my Monday is to get up while it's still dark outside, you know, before I have to get ready for work and all that kind of stuff, and spend time in prayer, contemplative prayer. That's the thing that I'm really going to do and I'm excited about. You know, like, that may not be the first thing on your list when you, when you think about that. Um, at least, I, like, I don't think about that as being, maybe that's, hopefully that's okay for me to share, uh, that that's not the first thing on my mind Sunday mornings. Like, oh, I should get up really early in the morning while it's still dark and pray. But it's something that I know even as I'm not a morning person, uh, that it's something that needs to be a part of my life because of what God wants to be, me to experience. I can appreciate that much of popular religious expression is based on how we feel. I mean, typically, like for a culture, that's the thing that we're pursuing, the things that make us feel a certain way, makes us feel closer to God or make us feel, you know, have the rush we get from a pre-curated experience for us. Like when we go to a great conference or if we go to a great concert or, or maybe even a regular Sunday morning or a small group, like we have this experience that we feel that draws us closer to God. But, but even those things can be, depending on how we're living our life, how we're incorporating spiritual disciplines in our life, can be very passive ex ways of engage engaging God. Like, I love nature, for example. And so one of the things for me, being out in the woods or being out in, whether it's the beach or the mountains, uh, those kinds of things, I, like, I, I see what God has created. I think that's an amazing thing. It makes me feel a certain way when I think about the creative character and nature of God and how he cares for, how he designs uh, the, the world and everything that we see and how it works together. I mean, those are, those are amazing, amazing things. But even that in and of itself, like being in nature, it's not a spiritual discipline. It makes, may be a great you know, backdrop for me for, to spend some time in meditation and prayer, but just the feeling that I get in experiencing what God has created isn't a spiritual discipline for me or, or for any of us. I've been to some really good conferences, have been inspired and impacted by great stories or preaching or testimony, testimony or music. However, like going and experiencing those things in and of itself and how they make us feel, that's not a spiritual discipline. That's not something that's helping us draw closer in our relationship with God. Um, if I'm not pursuing growth in my own dis discipleship with Jesus, then I'm relying on the experience of others that are creating that for me as a pale reflection of the direct intimacy with God that he desires with each and every one of us. And where this personal lack of spiritual intimacy really lets us down are when feelings don't get us through what's happening to us in life. 
Because we live in a broken world. We live in a world that's marred, we live in lives that are marred by our own sin, by the sin of other people against us, by the general sin that we experience because we live in, in brokenness. And sometimes those feelings that we experience in those fleeting moments, that quick rush that gets us through like that one moment that we had, it doesn't get us through the days or the weeks or the months or the years that we spend dealing with the consequences of sin in our life. When we're fighting against temptation or addiction or sickness or other people, uh, the moments when we need some action steps to take, God provides that through spiritual discipline. When we practice fasting, for example, we're not just not eating, we're reminded of God's provision, how we're sustained by him and how the Holy Spirit is refining our focus on who God is and where he's leading in our life. When we practice generosity, we're not just giving pieces of ourselves or our stuff away, we're being active participants in the growing of what God finds worthy to be invested in. When we practice submission to each other, we're not just acquiescing our own wants. Uh, we're recognizing that pure self-interest is not beneficial uh, to us as we might expect, and that sharing our lives with others uh, grows us closer to God. And when we practice prayer, we're not just telling God what he already knows. We're acknowledging our need for his presence and his desire for us to not simply talk, but to hear what he has to say for, uh, to us. Spiritual dis disciplines help us move from the ingrained habits of sin that's been a part of our lives, the sin that we've done, the sin that's been done against us, uh, to the habits that we were created to experience with God and with each other. And again, like I said, they're not the goal in and of themselves that are means to the end. And the goal is not a feeling of spiritual superiority, but of a growing intimacy with God. They grow our relationship with God. Um, the spiritual disciplines also grow our relationships uh, with each other from knowing God better as well. One more quote from Richard J. Foster in Celebration of Discipline. He says, the desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. Training in godliness or being disciplined disciples over the course of time provides a depth of faith uh, that can't be curated for us by somebody else's experience can't be produced vicariously for us, but is a deep well that not only we can draw on when needed, but is available for others as well. Sometimes I, I think, I, or at least I get the impression that when we talk about things like being disciplined spiritually as disciples of Jesus, we're thinking about just having this amazing willpower that no matter what we face, no matter what temptation or addiction or thing, you know, issue that we have with some other person, we're just always going to make the right decision because as a Christian, you know, I have the Holy Spirit in me and so I can always make the right decision every time as a result of that. And like, that's the thing that happens there. We're just, we just have this amazing willpower now that we have the Holy Spirit within us. And I'm here to tell you, as someone who's personally experienced this, just because you're a follower of Jesus, just because you're his disciple and you have the Holy Spirit within you, doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect from that point forward. I don't, has anybody else discovered this? I don't know. I just, maybe this is a surprise for you. I, I, I don't know. But like not, not everything that you do and say and are from that point forward are going are gonna to be these amazing things that people are going to look at you and be like, oh man, I want what you have. No, like the way that we get there are through incorporating these spiritual disciplines within our lives. Like that's what develops the willpower for us. So when you, when you see somebody who you greatly admire and respect and their faith and what they put into practice in their lives, it's because of these actions that they put into place. It's because they spend time with God. They make intentional spiritual space in their life for these things to be developed within them. In Luke chapter six, verses 43 through 45, Jesus says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. 
Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People who do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. One of the reasons Jesus was strengthened to live the life of sacrifice that he did is that he created space, even with the demands on his time, the desire of the crowds of people seeking him out for healing and to hear him teach. He went off to a solitary place to deepen the well he had to draw on. In fact, the way in which God desires us to experience new life as a result of salvation of Jesus is spelled out in the fruit we're meant to produce. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness, if I didn't say that one. And so here's, here's what it looks like to incorporate spiritual disciplines in our life. Um, the, the, first thing, the first thing is this, and I'm going to spend a ton of time on each of these things, but the, the first thing is plan your response to life. And what I mean by this is spiritual disciplines help us to predetermine the decisions that we're going to make when certain things happen in our our life. Whether we have a big decision, something difficult that's going in our life, fasting is is the thing. Fasting and prayer is the thing that we've been given, the action step that we've been given by God to remind uh, remind us of his provision and his leading in our lives. Some of the things and ways that we know some of the things that are coming, some of the you know, work things, project, whatever, the relationships that we have with our family that we're dealing with, those kinds of things, we're given uh, action steps to be able to give ourselves the strength that we need to deal with those things in our life. Um, even in the moments where we think, man, man, I just don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm not sure where God is moving uh, in, in these ways in my life. The spiritual disciplines are the action that, that we take, even when we feel like there, uh, there is no action happening in our life. The second thing is this. is just create space in your schedule. Whether it's early in the morning while it's still dark, whether it's during your lunch hour, whether it's at night when everybody else goes, goes to bed, it's just not, not going to happen if we, don't, uh, if we don't create space for it. This is something that, like I said, even Jesus created time for and, and made happen in his life. And we know where those moments are uh, in our life. We can exchange a, a Netflix episode of The Office and, uh, and, and create some time of, instead of that for spiritual discipline in our life, knowing that it is of ex- eternal significance as we spend time with God. And, and the second thing is this, is continue to dig deeper. I'm, I'm telling you, there, there's not a point in your life where you're going to reach like the end of, um, of prayer or generosity or serving or spending time with God in, in meditation. Like there's not a, the best that we can do this side of eternity is scratch the surface. And so that well in your life can, be, can continue to be dug deeper and deeper. The reservoir will continue uh, to extend more and more in, in ways that you, that you do not expect when we continue to pursue God and the relationship that he desires to have with us. When we talk about jump-starting our faith, um, putting spiritual disciplines into your life, if they don't exist right now, we'll absolutely do that. But let me tell you, you want to talk about growing your faith, strengthening your faith, deepening your faith. These are, the, these are the action steps that we put into practice to make those things happen. These are the things that God works through, through the Holy Spirit, uh, to, to deepen us, um, and, not, and not only just for our own benefit and our relationship with him, but so that we have enough in our well for others to draw from as well, as we encourage each other and draw each other into these spiritual disciplines disciplines together as well. 
Uh, let me pray for us as we consider uh, what this looks like, what it looks like to begin these things uh, in, our, in our life. God, um, there, there probably won't be a time where I'm thinking about discipline and, and it's only always a positive thing that I, that I think about it, but I know that part of that is because of um, the sin that has been a part of uh, my life, that have been a part of the world and things that we have to deal with, uh, and that it's, uh, it's, it's work, it's, it's the good work that you have called us to do, and God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit to strengthen us and help us to accomplish that and make, make that possible. But God, help us to see beyond that part um, help us to see how it's, it's, it's not just work, but it's, um, but it's also relationship. That it's also us drawing closer to not only our creator, not only to our sovereign king, but to our savior. Uh, the one who loves us, gives us more grace and mercy more deeply than anyone else uh, ever could. The one that no matter where we are in life, no matter what we're going through, uh, never leaves us alone, uh, never forsakes us. God, as, as Christians, we uh, are we're grateful for your presence. And God, give us the desire to know you more, to incorporate your presence more and more into our lives. We ask all this through Jesus. Amen. Um, if this is new to you, the whole spiritual disciplines thing, or maybe the whole faith thing in general, like, like incorporating that or st starting that off, I mean, there's some other action steps that we're given in Scripture to take uh, through that. That confronting, being confronted with who Jesus is, why he came, why, why he died on the cross for our sins, why he lives again, why the resurrection matters, and how we, how we believe and how we live that out uh, matters. I mean, you know, one of the responses that we're, we're given... To, uh, that are given to us in believing that Jesus is who he says he is, is that we're baptized. That, that's one of the action steps that, that we take, that our sin and the consequences of our sin that separate us from God, like that washes all of that away. It's a symbol of that, that God works, works through. It's a beautiful picture that draws us into the relationship that he wants us, wants us to have, that as we confess that he's, he's our Lord and Savior, as we live out our faith, like the, these are the things that make a difference in our life, yes, but it also, uh, it also lets us share these things with, with other people. And that's, that's, uh, that, that's the crux of the matter when it comes to incorporating this in, into our lives is that it, it actually helps us to experience and share the gospel of Jesus. And like we do every week at Velocity, we're going to experience the gospel of Jesus together as we take communion. Because we remind ourselves of the fact that that as Jesus was doing all these amazing things, as he was teaching, as he was healing, um, that, that he also built upon this intimacy, intimacy with God, the strength that he needed to go through with this sacrifice of taking the consequence of our own sin on his shoulders so that we could be redeemed and reconciled back to God. And so as we take communion uh, with, with each other, as we spend and share this, this, this meal uh, with each other this morning, I, I just want to encourage you to, to consider that kind of relationship that we're enabled to have with God and why, why we might spend the time, intentional time, to create that spiritual space in our lives because of what he's done.